Welcome to the 11 Personnel Podcast, your favorite Rams podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Rodriguez, and with me, as always, my fabulous co-host, Rich Hammond. Rich, how we doing? Jordan, it's good to hear your voice. I was worried for a little bit. I didn't want to reach out to you on Monday, <laughs> but it was kind of quiet, and I'm like, is she okay? Is she alive? Like, <laughs> is she alive? <laughs> Discla- disclosure, so, I did. I covered the Rams after party. Uh, yeah, so, uh, and wrote a great story about thank it. Thank you. Johnny Hecker did the gritty across the stage and led the crowd in a to-the-window-to-the-wall dance, so... Um, <laughs> That's where that started, and it only went uphill from there, to be honest with you. Yes. Yes, I can only imagine. <laughs> well, uh, Jordan, I'm, I'm glad we're here together. I'm glad you're rehydrated now, and uh, we're, I know, gosh, we have a lot to talk about. I don't know how long this is going to go, but uh, we're going we're gonna to enjoy it. The Rams are Super Bowl champions. Unbelievable. What a journey. Jordan, could it have been any more of an 11 personnel Super Bowl? I mean, we had everything happened. (laughs) We had some dark chaos at times there. We had special teams almost costing the Rams the game. We had player X, Bryson Hopkins, for those who have been listening to us for a while, (laughs) out there on the last drive of the fourth quarter. Just rumbling around. Yeah, just just like, oh, yeah, I've been doing this for a while. I'm just out here in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl making catches, throwing blocks. What an experience, Jordan. Uh, I don't know whether, as we record this on Tuesday morning, I don't know whether you've come down from it yet or whether you've been allowed, allow yourself to take a step away from it. But uh, if you have, I mean, what what were your reflections from from having covered that day, and uh, is there anything that that you will take with you uh, going forward? Well, I didn't take the Lombardi Trophy with me. Damn, <laughs> dang was, it. I'm not in charge of that. I you was had ha- a chance. I was handed it. Uh, someday I will tell that story, um, but uh, I did not take it with me. But you know, I haven't. I don't think I've had the actual full circle moment yet. I had this feeling as I was driving back um, from downtown LA, where the media hotels were, to my house. Um, or uh, late yesterday, we're recording on a Tuesday morning, one day before the Rams championship parade. Rich, uh, I know you have some insight on that route as well um, that we can get off the top yeah. here because you have covered so many games around that area. Maybe some tips for people who are trying to figure out what to do, but I don't know if I had a, I, I did have a feeling where I was like, oh my God, what do I do now <laughs> when I was driving I home? But but yeah. I think one of the full circle moments for me was I remembered when I was standing at the, in the corner of the end zone at training camp and for the first time in my entire life, I saw a quarterback throw a no look pass in person we talked about this and I wrote about it even at the time. It was months and months ago. It feels like years at this point. And yeah. it was in the in the live period, the compounded period, and the Rams defense was not I mean, it was it was one of those periods I've written about where they go ones versus ones and it's almost as full of contact as training camp will allow. And the defense was not letting the offense have anything. And they were moving Cooper Cup all around and trying to spring him open against, you know, Jalen Ramsey and and all of these DBs who held 
you know, who held firm and they've been just excellent uh, in that situation all year. And so that was sort of fo- foreshadowing there. And you could see the defense change into a different gear. And, and you've also seen that all year. And then, and then you saw Matthew Stafford go into that zone and mm. you, I didn't understand at the time what I was seeing it. It clicked when I saw the Tampa Bay game, when, when he had the soul snatching mm. comment and we've alluded to dark chaos, darkly chaotic Matthew Stafford before <laughs> he was that obviously. Um, but right. The full circle moment really came when I went back after the game and I was up writing my column in the press box and and please go read it, you guys. It's a mea culpa of their entire season, maybe almost two years, how they got here and what the build it was and how they pushed for answers. And I'm sitting there and I I just said, you know what? I, I'm not in a, I've got so many thoughts going around in my head right now. There were so many emotions. Van Jefferson's, you know, oh Van Jefferson's being pulled off the field because his wife's gone into labor mid game um at at the stadium and was um hosp- like taken to the hospital from the stadium he's being pulled off the field to get to the hospital goes to the hospital in Les Snead's car by the way offered his car to get van to the hospital cuz it came with the extra sort of we will get you through trafficness all these emotions running and i'm and i'm sitting up there and i'm like i just have to watch this throw and i have to watch Aaron oh. i have to watch the throw and i have to watch Aaron Donald's game ending sequence the third and one and then the fourth and one I have to, I have to watch those two things over again and it's funny because you think back to that day in training camp and there was an interception in that period Jalen Ramsey intercepted uh, Matthew Stafford and he flipped the ball to Aaron Donald who then flipped into the end zone and you thought oh those two this group they they make things happen in compounded spaces like that that's when they step into another gear. It's you have great players and then you have players who can elevate even in that. And that was Aaron Donald's moment um, in that game. But before that, that throw, the 22-yard slice, the no-look slice to Cooper Cup that saved the Rams' offense and and saved them from, you know, themselves essentially in that game. Mm -hmm. And a lot goes into that. But the first time I saw a pass like that ever in my life of all my years covering football was standing in the corner end zone at training camp. The 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 exact the second the play immediately after Jalen Ramsey intercepts Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford sets the defense up with a corner pass to Daryl Henderson, um, or excuse me, a pass over the top to Daryl Henderson. And then on the very next play, he looks straight at Daryl Henderson running the same route over the top and is staring down the down the A-gap, essentially, and instead fires the touch the, the touchdown pass to, to Cooper Cup in that far corner of the end zone where I was standing. And I yelled, pardon my language, it's just going to happen. I yelled, oh, fuck, really, really loud. <laughs> and I'd never seen anything like that before. And right. you're supposed to be very quiet and out of the way when you're doing those things. And and I, I always am, but that was different. And I thought to myself, this is different. And I mm. sort of had that moment, it, you that pass, and between the, the combination between what Matthew and Cooper were able to do on that drive and then what, Aaron Donald did on the other side, it was almost like exactly that compounded period. They were issuing challenges to each other to meet the moment and then raise the bar even higher. And that's what they did. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's there's so many layers to it. And you think, oh, it's just a football game. But uh, I mean, we I think we talked last week about the journeys that all of these guys were on individually and how they kind of came together to walk the same path. But 
my goodness, you think about these guys. I mean, you think about what Matthew Stafford went through and, you know, changing teams and having all these doubts. You think about Aaron Donald coming up through Pitt and being this undersized, you know, defensive tackle and, and you know, turning himself into this monster that he is, you know, Jalen Ramsey and the struggles that he had in Jacksonville and, and you know, coming here trying to look for a fresh start. I mean, it was just you see it happening on the field in, in, in real time and you see the emotion coming out too and you know the Aaron Donald clip where uh, he's just he's bawling on on TV and I don't know whether people understand I know you do Jordan because you've been around him for a while now it's just not a guy who puts his emotions out there a lot. I mean, he is a very, and I don't say that to be critical at all. It's one of the things that I admire a lot about Aaron when I covered him every day. It's just a very, he's a worker, man. Like he just, he puts his head down. He goes to work. He doesn't, he, he might not know it from the way that he plays. Doesn't bring a lot of attention to himself. Isn't somebody who laughs a lot or, you know, like is, is a center of attention. Pretty quiet guy, all things considered and and to see that come out of him in that moment you could you could feel it i mean even just watching yeah the strain in his voice yeah oh my goodness yeah Yeah. and it's just that had all been in there for for however many years you want to go back and i don't even know how many years it's been only aaron knows knows that but you could feel it just coming out of him finally um and and wow i mean what what a moment and and you know so many guys on that team i can only imagine what was going through Van Jefferson's mind at that time is he's you know he's just won a Super Bowl and and his thoughts are I got to get to my wife so I can see my my son um just just what what a day Jordan but yeah those those plays I the more you watch that that no look pass to me it's not the pass to me, it's it's yes. I mean, it, yes, it is. It is absurd to to throw the ball to somebody else when you're basically looking at somebody <laughs> holding else. the safety. I mean, these safeties are so good. The only way oh. that this happens is if you hold the safety who's coming to yeah. rob you, who could yeah. jump that route that Cooper mm-hmm. ran across the middle. There's also an option built into that route that most quarterbacks hit. There was a great side by side. Someone uh, put up. Maybe it was Stephen Ruiz. Stephen Ruiz at the Ringer has been doing a really good job with some clips breaking down this game if you guys want to go check those out there was a side-by-side where that same route concept that's a very McVay system set Mm. of layers Zach Taylor called a similar thing a similar play and there is an outlet player on the on one of the on either side of the hashes that is that is available and open in that case um, or should be or should be you know uh, he's an option he is the least the less uh, complex progression to get to but if you want to go to the player over the top you have to hold the safety they're playing their their dropped coverage they're playing their robber coverage like they're doing these complicated things that we knew that they would do and if you want any chance you have to hit a a specific landmark on a field you're not even looking for the player you know it's cooper cup you know that it's literally that specific five square inches on the field (laughs) that he is going to get to at a specific millisecond. Your protection has to hold up. You have to protect the quarterback to give him that extra second to give Cooper that extra millisecond to get to the landmark. And you 
you throw the ball without even looking where you're throwing because you've yeah. repped that 500 extra hours with Cooper right. Cup over the, right. the spring and summer. Breakfasts that they're eating together, literally drawing on their napkins of what they're going to do and when and how. Staying after practice with Kevin O'Connell and Robert Woods and and working through these things. Like I said, it sounds so cliche, but literally scratching things in the dirt and the grass about where their landmarks are going to be. And all of that extra time just for that two-second play to unfold that changed the entire course of the Rams season. The touchdown was was incredible. You know, it was ballsy to to call and throw a fade in that regard. If you have a leverage matchup to – with one of your receivers, even if he's about the same height as the corner, you could still throw that sort of like low fade that they threw. Like you still, that's, that was, that was impressive that there was a chaotic sequence, obviously with, with fouls and, and penalties and everything at, right. near the inside the 10 and, and all of that. But that play, the no look, the things that have to happen. And, and there mm. was an exact, like uh, to go back to my original point, there was a, an exact play that unfolded like that for the Bengals and the automatic throw is hit to the other play. This is a throw that quarterbacks do not make because they're told not to do it. Like, don't <laughs> right. throw to right. the middle of the field. You're going to get intercepted because the, the robber is sitting there in this specific coverage. However, if you're Matthew Stafford and you are saving it, you're saving that moment. You haven't really had the, you know, had a lot of opportunities. The Rams are running the ball to an infuriating head banging against the wall um, sort of uh, situation. We'll break that down a little bit later. You have this is your one moment where maybe you can make this thing happen and you hold the safety just a, a half a second longer with your eyes and you fire it to a place you're not even looking to Cooper Cup, 22 yards and then he he also has the wherewithal to catch it and then spin his body to run backwards into the contact so that the ball is protected away yeah, from that right. contact i mean it's it's it was that play and aaron donald's play those two are era defining in terms mm-hmm. of what these rams had hoped to one day become yeah and even Cooper Cup, you know, having and again, this was born from from all those hours and and breakfasts and everything else. But you know, Cooper Cup having the the awareness too, when he, he you know he's he's looking at Matthew Stafford, he sees where Matthew Stafford's eyes are, but he's he's running that route as though he's going to get the ball, right. no matter where Matthew Stafford's eyes are, no matter where you know, like he's he's doing exactly what he needs to do, and and I'm. I'm not naming anybody in particular, but other receivers, you might not see that. You might not, you might not see that awareness or, or even that, you know, like, yeah. oh, I, I got to be ready here. Um, and, and that's, that's born from all those hours and all that time together. And like you said, Jordan, it's to see that come together um, in that moment. I mean, that, that was, that was it. That was, <laughs> that was the play. Uh, and of course they needed to go down and, and finish it. But um, Jordan, that whole drive, I mean, I'll be honest with you. Like I, I always like to be, I thought the Rams were cooked. And I even said on Twitter, like they're going to have to get a, like a pick six here. They're going to have to get yeah. a turnover. They had nothing. I think they had 50 yards of offense in the second half uh, going into that series. They didn't have a first down since I, I think the, what was it, the first drive? Maybe they, they got one or I, I don't know. They, they had done nothing for like an hour and a half. And and now you get the ball and you've got to go 79 yards in the last six minutes of the Super Bowl to win the game. I I didn't think it was going to happen. 
I thought that I, I sat there and I thought, yeah, the, the best case scenario is, you know, maybe they get to midfield, they punt it and they get a turnover and something weird happens. Um, look, that's that's Matthew Stafford. Um, and he answered every question in these playoffs. Uh, every time you could put him in a situation where a lot of people thought he was going to fail, where a lot of people thought he didn't have what it takes in this moment. He answered that bell every time. He wasn't perfect. He made mistakes throughout the the playoffs, throughout the season. But you cannot ask for anything more than what the Rams got out of of Matthew Stafford. He's down to he's down to Cooper Cup and Ben Skrulanik and Bryson Hopkins. They can't run the ball to save their lives. And oh, by the way, you just got to go seventy nine yards to win the Super Bowl here. I mean, I'm not. I'm not de- I'm not deifying the guy like he's not he's not a perfect quarterback but I don't know how much you could ask how much more you could ask from from your quarterback in that situation. Well, I call it it just you're sitting there and you're in a loaded press box and you're just thinking to yourself, "Welcome everybody to Los Angeles Rams football." <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> Welcome to the chaos. And um, it just, to me, that's it's exactly what it was. So Odell Beckham was having an amazing game. Um, was it was pretty clear he was going to be a really big piece of this of this game. That the Rams defense, to me, or excuse me, the Rams offense, to me, planned uh, for what the Bengals defense would probably do. I would say the execution was extremely poor in the run game, especially. Um, and, and some of the, the repetition there was also poorly, poorly called in my opinion, but we'll get to that in a second. Cause this is this first part. We got to talk about what happened to their receivers. So it's at the end of the game, I, I, I chuckle cause at the end of the game, they are, they're with their, their fourth string tight end. Cause don't forget about Johnny Munt in there who was, it was going to be Higby and Munt who are one and two and then Kendall and Bryson who are three and four. And Kendall Blanton goes out with a shoulder injury. Um, and then it's Bryson Hopkins. And then they're down to Van Jefferson, who is clearly he, he is um he is clearly elsewhere through much of the game. Um, and I think probably we maybe give him a little bit of leeway on that one because his again, his wife was um they were very as you guys, if you read my story in the athletic, they were very aware that she could and, and may possibly go into labor um and that they were not to tell she she made sure that they wouldn't tell him because she didn't want him to leave the field or but um you know had to had to come up in certain situations and and just couldn't um and then got missed you know he was he got missed on a throw um to the to i think the i think that was the right hash matthew stafford over overthrew him a little bit downfield um and then it's you know odell beckham is out and it's just a really heartbreaking moment for everybody because you're out you're with you're also without robert woods and now odell who has done everything he possibly could do to work his way into the system but not just into the system but like the fabric of the team um, and ingratiate himself to teammates and just take young guys under his wing and, and just be uh, just a great person to be around by all accounts inside the locker room and, and the coaching staff. And then he goes down on the, with the non-contact injury. Um, I have a whole another hour-long rant about turf. I hate turf. Turf sucks. To me, it's not – it is 
not okay that there is turf in a in a stadium in Southern California. I understand why it's there. Um, you have two teams there, and you cannot change it out every week. Um, so I get that. But at the same time, turf is a nightmare. Um, and it's it's a huge it was a huge loss because Odell it was clear that the Rams offense knew that Cincinnati's defense would do a lot of different types of uh, bracketing they would be really really physical um, with Cooper Cup off the line of scrimmage because um, they knew that for at least the most first part of the game the refs were gonna really kind of let them play. And and so when you do that, if you're a defense, you can be real physical. Cooper Cup mentioned that at the end of the game where how physical the defensive backs were were in terms of trying to break up timing and because they knew that some of these types of plays that Matthew and Cooper run are all based on timing. So they were real physical trying to, and that's a smart thing to do. That's what you do. If you know Rams, the Rams on the other side were doing the same thing. If you know that, that uh, you know, you're going to be able to just kind of play for the first part because some of the, you're trying things and the flags aren't coming, then that means that you could be physical. And, and that's sort of what was, what was happening. And that's, that's how football should be played. Honestly, the refs get in the way sometimes. Um, but then, you know, they're, they're doing all kinds of stuff with their dropped coverage. And then they're, um, they're like living in the backfield um, on the run plays. Um, and so it was clear Odell was going to be an X factor in this game when he went out and you have all of this reshuffling happening. Um, these guys are thrust into it and, and Bryson Hopkins played well. I would not say the same for Ben Skoranek, um in terms of, uh, and again, it's hard. You you don't really blame the player so much because it's not his fault. He's thrown into that situation before he's ready. It just was born of necessity. But um, Bryson Hopkins, I thought, played really well. There was one pass yeah. that he caught that he was like surprised that it ended up in his hands, but then he made <laughs> he made like twenty yards out of it, which was great. It was so funny to watch and and you're like, hey, yeah, that that guy, it's it's his moment, and he he came up. He, we you know, it was nice to see that, and uh, it just was it was clear that. I think as we segue kind of into what happened with them in the run game, Rich, I think it was pretty clear yeah. that th- losing Odell dramatically changed their plan and they didn't, they, they, the, the, the passing game, you almost had to restructure it in game because of something like that happening. And also you don't have another backbone, two other backbone players in Tyler Higby and in um, uh, Robert Woods. And then you have a guy, who Kendall Blanton, who's been taking Higby's reps, but he also goes out, which I think is quietly huge because um, Bryson's not running those reps in practice. He's running. He's, they only have two tight ends. They only have two tight ends on their entire roster who are healthy right now. He's not running scout team. So he's not running. He's, he has to help the scout team. Right. So, you know, I, I, they have to restructure. And I think part of that between that and Matthew Stafford having to get his, his ankle retaped. And also I think we can dissect a little of Sean here too, that's part of the reason why they they kind of stalled. And then at the very end, though, you you have to you have to do what exactly what they did: put the ball in the hands of your best players and trust that they will make something happen. I got off yeah. on a tangent there, but there was a lot going on through the middle. There of the was game. a lot yeah. going on. Yeah, yeah, I don't. I think you, we could spend an hour just talking about what Odell going out did to that offense. And I think I think you're spot on. And when he went out of that game, I thought, uh oh, like this is this is going to change a lot. I don't. I didn't know exactly. Wasn't smart enough to know exactly how or exactly what was going to happen. But I I think anybody who had watched the Rams over the last few weeks knew um, that that him going out was was going to make a big impact um the the run game yeah like i i said on twitter i i certainly understand my brand uh but but there came to a point where you just 
it was it was the definition of insanity. Like it was just doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. And uh, you know, at one point I said, like I, I think you just have to put the ball in Matthew Stafford's hands, and and whatever will be will be. And of course, what ended up being was a was a, a legendary drive and a game winning touchdown. But what do you think was going on there, there, Jordan? Because um, it, it's hard, and I I have to be honest, I haven't um, been be able to watch the all 22 yet and and see i um, certainly have not had time to no (laughs) you'll probably get to that in like april i imagine uh but you know we heard a lot coming in about uh the Rams' ability to run the ball and how the Bengals, uh, you know run defense was not that strong and kansas city should have run on them more um what do you think was going on there was it was it just literally uh, an upfront matchup i mean were the Bengals doing anything different were the rams just not winning the physicals um yeah i don't think it was on the running backs because none of them i mean there were some flashes there but it wasn't like oh cam Akers wasn't running the ball well i mean sony wasn't really finding any holes either daryl was doing a little bit more uh but it, it didn't seem to be on the running backs to me i mean what what were you seeing there yeah so um a couple i had a couple thoughts on that going through the game so first i'll get to what i think was happening with the run game and then i'll get to like why there's not a, I mean, there's a lot of different reasons, I think, why they stuck to it. Uh, some of them, I think, just um, maybe even psychological in the coach in the coach's mind. But but we'll get to that. But first of all, the the run game, I mean, it was it was six by the by the start of the fourth quarter. The Bengals had six, uh, nine tackles for loss and six came against run plays. And then um, the other three came against like short, you know, the short sort of dump off passes or the the checkouts um but I think one of the things Jeff Schwartz pointed this out that every time these teams I mean they're very the offenses like the coaches know each other really well right so you know you're passing along some of that information some of those tells and uh Jeff Schwartz pointed out that every time a certain play they ran a certain play where, where Matthew Stafford would uh be asked to check into a run so it's not his it's, ne- it's not necessarily him making the call but he's being asked to check into the run from a passing look um, the Bengals were jumping the snap with perfect timing and they were getting flooding into the backfield. And I think part of that too, they didn't, some of the nuance that we had seen from the run game, I saw maybe like one or two outside runs. Um, and, yeah. and you didn't see a lot of the nuance there that they had run against say San Francisco in the first half. You didn't see the toss plays. I really thought mm-hmm. we would have seen more toss plays just to change I the agree. contact point a little bit. And maybe part of that is because the Bengals are so good at tackling. Like that is a very good tackling team. And so it's really hard to get the yards after the contact um, on some of those outside run plays and outside catch and run plays. And then it's also really hard when you change the, the, uh, the, 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 um, the contact point, the way that they did against San Francisco a couple times and the way that teams have done against the Rams. Um, you kind of are doing that to prey on maybe your corners if they can't tackle or your inside linebackers if they can't tackle these guys can tackle so there's not really um a solution there unless you you know maybe you get lucky once or twice or someone misses something um but you didn't see a ton of the nuance you saw a lot of rotation um pleasantly surprised by daryl henderson's usage although you have to at one point use him purely as a receiver which increased his his uh his planned usage by quite a bit because he is there. I would say he is their best pass catching back as things currently stand. And he's been in the offense long enough to know, you know, he's getting sent on the wheels and things like that. Um, But the run game, I mean, it was, it was literally like uh, just 
you know, square peg round hole again and again and again and again. And the Bengals, you know, they were they were very physical on defense. And again, these guys tackle in every level extremely well. Um, yeah. You can't you can't target their corners because their corners tackle and they come down hard. Um, you can't target, certainly can't target their safeties. Their safeties tackle and they come down hard. Um, their front, I thought, played really well. And, and they just, the Rams just were not able to get anything going. They were facing a lot of long second and third downs, um, really helped make things worse for them in the passing game. First, you're missing all your receivers except for Cooper. And then also um, they're playing that sort of very murky, muddy coverage where they're dropping a robber. So they this is something that they knew the Bengals would do where you're dropping that robber and your safeties are really aggressive and smart and they match routes and they know what you can do. Um, and so it, it made things very, very difficult, very tough. Um, and the Rams, in my opinion, l- lacked a lot of dimensionality in all phases. Now, Sean McVay kept pressing that. And it was almost stunning to see you start. I, I wrote this in my column. You started feeling shadows of that loss uh, three years ago coming in. Yeah, for you, sure. you started the feeling yeah. you brought everybody here in order to find the answers to those problems that you were presented in real time. This is why yeah. this team exists in its current form is to find those answers in real time. This is why you have these players and, and why you've overhauled so much of that previous Super Bowl roster, even very few starters on the team from that year. And it it just was it became very clear that it was there the answers weren't coming fast enough mm-hmm. and either they were or they weren't being uh chosen or selected or accepted but i think one of the most um pivotal moments of this game came when matthew stafford got the ball back in his hands at with 6 minutes left in the game the run game was not working the rams were super one dimensional um and they also weren't really doing the their signature things that they did with Cooper Cup the Bengals were making it very very hard on them to to push and and that to me the fourth and one play that was an example i think that manifested of Sean McVay's aggression um or the right type of aggression not things like a trick play that fails although he did have the you can argue that one he did have the yards he was wide open the, yeah. Cooper missed the throw but you know you can argue different types of aggression whatever but this that sweep to Cooper where Cooper didn't sweep wide. He swept for uh, three yards after taking getting the, the ball and then cut downhill. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was different because you saw him run hard. The, 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 this was such a smart play. You saw him running so hard with the ball as if he were going to sweep around the outside. Everything they have showed on tape is Cooper sweeping wide around the outside. Mm. They switched it. Very small change. Very small nuance at the very last moment um, in the very last game of the year where instead of sweeping as wide as he has on every single sweep this year that he's taken, not a lot of them, but every single one that he's taken or Robert has taken sweeps wide, you saw the player move to counter and try to contain the outside uh, his outside shoulder on that sweep. And instead, Cooper cut uphill, and that got the Rams their conversion. That, to me, was a manifestation of the perfect type of aggression. Um, And then the other was Sean McVay letting go. He finally, he just let go. You could could almost feel it up in the box. Like, Matthew Stafford had the ball in his hands, and he said, all right, let's keep the ball in Matthew Stafford's hands. He, he He just let go. He went against, it's almost like he... 
and and this was you hear now afterward a lot of coaches talking about this was the collective vision and the headset happening right there right at that time the collective conversation was let's stop beating our heads against the wall and I asked Sean about this in the post game presser and he he basically said this it, let's stop beating our heads against the wall and let's put the ball in Matthew Stafford's hands and he just he just let go he said I I brought this guy in because when I am wrong he can make me right it's still a gamble right. it's still a chance but when I am wrong or when I have been wrong and I just put the ball in his hands and trust him and Cooper Cup to do the things that they have done all year they can make they can make it all right even if so much has gone wrong before they have that opportunity they have that ability does that open up the risk for interception absolutely that's why right. this was the type of aggress- aggressive move i think everybody collectively needed to see from Sean McVay unlearning himself unlearning his preferred mm-hmm. tendencies in real time of what it means to uh, set that foundation of his offense by by running the ball in that way. On early downs, they ran the ball so often. And unlearning that and then just f- coming back to the foundation that he so wanted to set by bringing in Matthew in the first place and just and just letting go. And I think, too, I can in early in the game, I can also understand early down the early down runs because again, like we talked about last week, they're trying to pull these guys out of that tricky coverage right. that they play. They're trying to pull them closer to the line of scrimmage and hit their explosives, and they did. It worked. There was a play to Cooper early. I might be misremembering. It's either Cooper or Odell early in the uh, early in the game. That was a downfield shot, and so when you right. can beat the coverage like that, and then you also are running the ball that forces the Bengals and asserts in a way that forces them to change out of that really tricky coverage. And so they, 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 they tried, but then also, Oh yeah, the other team on the other side is also a Super Bowl team and a really good defense. And they adjusted too. And then they started stopping the run and the Rams lacked that dimensionality. So then the third counter punch had to happen. And there was a moment rich where we thought maybe it wouldn't because we've seen that where it doesn't happen. We've seen that before. It happened right. in week 10. There was not a third counterpunch. It happened right. in week 18. There was not a third counterpunch. And then all of a sudden, they just sort of, everything changed. And yeah. it was so important that that happened, not just for right now, but for the future as well. Yeah, it's it really, you, you think about you know, the, the, the alternate universe, right? You, you think about the alternate universe where that, that isn't a touchdown drive. And, and what are we talking about right now? Um, if, if that's a three and out and they punt and Cincinnati, you know, runs out the clock or kicks a field goal or whatever, wh- what are we talking about right now? We're talking about, in large part, probably how Sean McVay got to another Super Bowl and, and what happened. Uh, was not able, you know, goes the entire second half uh, in this scenario, goes the entire second half without a point, isn't isn't able to adjust again, gets outmaneuvered in a Super Bowl. I, I'm sorry, I'm I'm not, I'm just telling you that's that's probably what we would be talking about right now. Um, and it, it didn't happen because of exactly what you talked about, Jordan, and and whoever gets credit for that or whoever collectively made the decision um, to me, it's, it's always, because we talked about this all year, right? Like that balance and not letting go of the run game. And not, it, to, to me, it's, it's always a rip cord that, that you pull at some point. And, and when I've been critical of Sean McVay in the past, it's been, been because I think he, he pulled that rip cord too early sometimes to where it was like, uh Oh, we're down by 10 points in the first quarter. Time to pull the rip cord time to, you know, just, just put the ball. Like I, I think he did that 
too often sometimes. Um, in this case, you probably have to argue that he waited too long to, to pull the ripcord. And, well, and this is where you can't even really argue it anymore. We can in the moment. You can't even really argue it anymore. Because no, you they can't. Won. You can't. <laughs> no, you, yeah, exactly right. Because it, it did work out. And but, but you know, that's that's where it's, it's so easy. Winning to, to heals sit so in, much. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry, Rich. No, it's it's <laughs> it's so easy to to sit here and say, "Oh yeah, too early, too late." And I mean, it's hard to do it in real time. I mean, you you were there on the sideline trying to, you know, trying to get something going, and it sometimes isn't even as easy as it is sitting and watching from the press box or watching from your couch to to see what's going on with that detached kind of perspective. Um, but but they did do it. They did it. <laughs> they waited a while, uh, but but they did what the what was left for them i mean that's not an ideal situation you don't want to sit there and say yes we we absolutely need to put the ball in our quarterback's hands we can't run the ball we're not even really going to try anymore uh that's that's not really where you want to be that's not <laughs> that's not an ideal uh, preferential situation uh but but they got to the point where they said this is it this is all we can do uh we we have we have one shot left here as, as eminem might say at the halftime show oh my gosh. um yeah, thank that was you. so yeah. great by the way that was such a good oh halftime gosh. show. Yeah, that it, was incredible. it really did deliver. It was yeah, incredible. It like reinvigorated me from like watching the first half. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, now I'm ready. I'm ready to go again. Like I was kind of getting worn down there at the end of the first half. Uh, but yeah, it, you know, just it, that that was it. That was the decision that that needed to be made and and really changed the entire narrative of of not only in the entire game, but the way that we're going to talk about Sean McVay. And, and by the way, Jordan, I know we're, we're you know about a half hour in here. We're, we're not going to ignore some of the stuff that's out there. We're, we're going to get to uh, some of the chatter that's out there about Sean McVay and, and Aaron Donald and, and, and all that. So, so we will cover that. But, but you know, just what this meant uh, uh, for Sean McVay, because I just couldn't help thinking after the game, man, if, if that had got, you know, if they don't get that touchdown, like, what is the narrative right now? Like, what are we saying about Sean McVay in, in these big games? And, uh, you know, you talk about the the relief that Matthew Stafford must have felt and Aaron Donald and some of these guys. I can't imagine how much relief there was uh, for, from Sean McVay after that game. Yeah, and I almost, with Matthew, though, I almost don't know if it's even relief because I'm not kidding, man. I feel like he knew he was going to do that. Like, I, <laughs> this guy is... Yeah. Please, like, soul stealer. I, it's really, it's one of those things. My friend Catherine uh, Fitzgerald, she covers the the Buffalo Bills um, for the Buffalo News, and she she does a great job. We go way back, and she's hilarious. You guys gotta follow her on Twitter. She's so funny. Um, she was the one that had the the meme of the the tiger gasping when the Bengal tiger at the zoo uh, picked the Rams to win the game. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, oh, my own, my own people. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, and um, she, she said, you know, this, it, it's finally, the, the NFL finally is, is getting what it needs. I think it was time for a goth quarterback. And I was like. <laughs> <laughs> a goth quarterback. <laughs> I was like, oh That's my amazing. God. But look at this guy. He shows mm-hmm. up to the game in a black t-shirt and beat up jeans and sneakers and dirty sneakers. <laughs> He shows up to the Super Bowl in this game and he he does not give a crap. Like right. and he he just gets and I, and I'm not one to talk about clothes or whatever, but like you could tell he leaned into it. 
Like you could tell he leaned into dark Matthew Stafford a little bit. Like you, could, you don't think he has one of those Joe Burrow suits? Like you, you know, you're not going to see Matthew Stafford. I, I love up? the Joe Burrow thing, so I'm not going to. I would yeah. certainly not comment on that. I, lo- I love when quarterbacks show their personality, and and this oh, is, yeah. and, and I know you do too. And this is this is one of those cases where both of them did, and I thought that was awesome. But it just so right. happens that Matthew Stafford's personality makes you really concerned about what this guy would be doing if he doesn't have football. Like, <laughs> like. What would he be doing? That's a great question. I think of the like the TV show Dexter. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> no, I'm I'm just kidding. But but really, wow, yeah, yeah. That, that's, a, that's a dark turn. No, but like he he really yeah. um it, it's interesting because I in terms of the relief, like I feel like he he kind of knew that because he's he's been doing this. That's the thing. He's been doing this. No, he hasn't done it in this stage. But in terms of being that fourth quarter guy, I mean, look at look at he's in the metaphorical fourth quarter of his freaking career, for God's sake. And this is what he's doing. Like he 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 goes into that mode. Um, and I put it in my column. I met, I did mean it as a compliment, and, and I, I appreciate those of you who who caught this line too. The, he he approaches those situations with like a like a cool sociopathy that's yeah. that's almost frightening if you don't have it in the space of football and you don't have it in the context of football. And and someone wrote uh, Mike Golick, who's great, put on Twitter. Um, you know, it's a little concerning how non emotional he is after this win. Yeah. And I was like. Yeah. But it's not surprising, is it? Like darkly chaotic Matthew Stafford. This is who he is. He he is that yeah. guy who just is um he just sort of breaks through what we think fourth quarter football is supposed to be, comeback football is supposed to be chaos and catalyst and all that. What we think of it in our minds and how we think we would process it, he just yeah. doesn't. He does it in a whole different way that it's yeah. really, really interesting to see. We've seen it three weeks in a row sort of unfold in this or four weeks in a row, because you count the bye week, unfold in this in this way where um you do think to yourself like what is the psychology of that? Really? Yeah. What place do you go to in your brain for that? And and that's really where where people think, oh, he must be relieved and his legacy and all this stuff. There's probably a part of him that's like, yeah, double birds, I did this thing. Um, but also there is probably a big part of him that pretty that knew he would do it. And mm-hmm. I think that is what Sean McVay is so drawn to about him and has mm-hmm. been, is is that sort of like I said that like sort of cool sociopathy and 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 McVeigh being like oh I want that on my side kind of a right. thing right yeah somebody asked me at a radio show or something like you know what's what something you, you didn't know about Matthew Stafford and and I, <laughs> I, I didn't that he's the goth quarterback <laughs> he's the, the goth quarterback <laughs> Yeah. Uh, that he's a sociopath. No, no, that's, that's not what we're saying. Um, uh, but it, it's that kind of, I, I didn't realize that from watching him from afar. And I mean, this game, a good microcosm of that, like, right? I mean, the second half starts and, and you get beat for a 75-yard touchdown. And then, you know, your ball ball bounces off the hands of your receivers, interception, and then you're down and you're like, oh my goodness, you can't run the ball. You lost Odell Beckham. You don't have Tyler Higby. You don't have Kendall Blanton. And, and you look at him coming out there and it's like, yeah, okay. You know, there's not like, and, and I, I, I have to think Jordan that that resonates and, and I've never, well, obviously never been in an NFL huddle before, never will be. Um, but, but I have to think that teammates pick up on that. 
Probably and, the young guys too in that situation. Yeah. I mean, I would be freaking the heck out if I were Bryson yeah. Hopkins going on the field. Right. As, like has been inactive, a healthy scratch on the roster for most games this year. And you I'll be honest with you, Jordan. I wasn't sure what number Bryson Hopkins wore. The guy I saw, the announcer I saw, yeah. called him Bryce. They don't even he he's not even Bryce. on the flip card. He wasn't even on the official flip card. Right. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. But it, that has to permeate, right? I mean, we don't know. I, I don't know. But but I, I think when you're a quarterback in that situation, I mean, people look to you. And, and I think they take cues from you. And it's just that's what gets me about Matthew Stafford. Like you watch him late in a game. You wouldn't know what had been going on for the previous three quarters or three and a half quarters. Um, he doesn't give off those cues. I mean, I had said this and I again, I know I know how much we hate this. And I hate it too. But it, you know, you, you would watch Jared Goff sometimes, and and you would see early in the game, this is this is going to be his day, right? It's either it's going to head in one direction, it's either going to go head in a great direction, or it's going to head in a terrible direction. And I'm not comparing Matthew Stafford to Jared Goff. I'm not. That is not <laughs> the point here. The point is that you, you could substitute any quarterback's name, and I just happen to use Jared Goff because I watched him play a lot, but. You, you can see some quarterbacks, once they start heading down that trajectory, that's that's who they are. That's where they're going. Matthew Stafford has this ability that he showed, and it showed up more in the playoffs, I think, than it did at any other point, to where it just it's almost like he's got that, you know, men in black thing where it's just like it, it, it just it just vanishes like that. You, you watch him in the fourth in six minutes left in the fourth quarter, and you would not know that he, he has just like been banging his head against the wall for the previous hour and a half because the Rams can't move the ball and they're three and out, three and out, three and out. Like he doesn't look like that quarterback. He doesn't look like he's carrying that weight uh, when when he goes out there and, and plays with the game on the line. That's what I learned about Matthew Stafford that I did not know from watching him for years in, De- in Detroit. Yeah, and Rich, I love that you said that too because a lot of quarterbacks have that ability to compartmentalize. They do. And I think Jared had that too. I think he could compartmentalize and I think he could be calm, right? Just yeah. just stay calm through situations. Calm, yeah. But there is a difference between when you are uh, – when someone is coming at you, staying calm mm-hmm. and navigating the situation, and then there's a difference between doing that and picking up something to attack with, to attack back with. Right. Like there is a difference between it's that that extra level. It's not just, OK, I'm going to figure this out and get through this. It's no, I'm going to figure out a way to F your day up <laughs> like you want. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's mm-hmm. and that's and that's that sort of gear that clicks in. And I mm-hmm. and it kind of what we talked about at the very beginning of the podcast, it click it, it, it comes full circle for me because seeing that in real time, it's so you don't know what you're looking at at first. Right. And back in those days, that that one compounded period at training camp, like you didn't really know what you were looking at and no pun intended because he's throwing a no look pass like no pun intended. But like quite literally, you're like, oh, well, that was different. Very, Mm -hmm. very different. But you don't really know what it is yet. It's there and you feel and then, you know, then you dig into some of his stats and and uh, Tej Seth, who I'm very happy for, by the way, he's a, a young analyst out in, in Detroit who is um, a very, very big Matthew Stafford fan. And he helped me earlier in the season run through an algorithm, Matthew Stafford's performance after critical error numbers. 
And the statistics mm. showed, and we've talked about this before, the statistics showed that he is the best quarterback in, in the last, what, 10 years of the NFL in his play following an interception or a negative play. Um, yeah. And he also makes more difficult throws and progressions after he throws an interception, immediately after he throws an interception. Um, right. He's like the seventh, makes the seventh most number of difficult throws following an interception of any quarterback in the last uh, 10 years. And and so you saw it, right? You still don't really know what it means when you combine right. until you start seeing it happen in the very most important situations that they had, that he has ever been in. And you re- you realize what I think must be kind of cool for him right now is that recognition within himself that he does have that extra gear for real. Like he, everyone kind of thought he had it, but he's never been here before. So him recognizing that he does have that in the most crucial and the most high stakes scenario that he could possibly be in, um, that he still is that guy. Uh, I think that that's something that uh, very, very interesting to discover about himself um, and, and certainly something the Rams hoped uh, hoped that he would have. And now it's sort of proven that they, like a lot of their moves that they made this offseason that we've talked about, mm. they were proven right in that regard. Um, and, and Rich, I think too, we want to make sure we break down the defense. If you have any other thoughts on this, I, I definitely want to get to them. But the defense and, and some of these un- unsung heroes of the, of the game, um, oh, we gosh. certainly cannot uh, – understate the contributions made here yeah it's it's extraordinary and and it's it's a victory for for you know a lot of the things that that you have been trying to tell people and not not just you but i mean you you've been out front in terms of i held the lombardi trophy so nobody can tell me anything for the rest of the year that's right that's right (laughs) (laughs) it finally came home to jordan after all this time uh but you know it's it's this like I'm sorry, but it's it's a ridiculous narrative that that had been put around the Rams. And I loved that, your tweet about that. I know where you're going with this. I love that you tweeted this after the game because I agree with you. Right. Yeah, continue. Yeah, but it, it's just it, it's it, uh, and another thing I tweeted was about. Um, I saw Les on uh, on NFL Network after the game. He was talking about Andrew Whitworth, and I said, as as only Les Snead can say, uh, he was talking about Andrew Whitworth, and he said, you know, we've we've got a lot of we got a lot of Batmans on this team. You know, guys like this. These are these are the guys who help the Robins. And it's like you, you have to first of all you have to understand Les to translate exactly what he's saying. That's so uh, perfect. But, it, right. Oh I mean, God. that's 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 it is perfect. And and that's the thing. Like there are a lot of Batmans on that team, um, but the, they're not going anywhere if, if you don't have those guys behind them um, who can who can do that. They're not there if you don't have Ernest Jones stepping up the, the way that he does and, and making some of the plays. Greg Gaines, a guy we talked about at the start of the season, was he even going to have a place in in this rotation? Had he reached the end of his rope in terms of his development? And there he is out there, you know, teaming with Aaron Donald to to make a, a enormous tackle uh, on third and one. It's you know signing Ashawn Robinson and him just being an absolute monster in in that game. Um, uh, you know, a, a move that didn't get a whole lot of attention Uh, you know it's it's these kind of things that that you you look at and yeah they they weren't the the flashy plays um but but it was 
that that's not what this was about. Uh, and and Jordan, you've you've done such an amazing job chronicling this, and and I, I think more people are starting to understand it and 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 see it. It's it's not this like I think people kind of had this perception of like, oh yeah, anybody could do what the Rams do. You just go trade all your draft picks and and get Jalen Ramsey and sign Aaron Donald. Oh yeah, how hard can this be? Like no 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 no. It's it's enormously complicated, and and it, it you have to have so many things fall into place and you have to stick with it. Um, and, and that's really where you saw some of this, this payoff. And yeah, Jordan, it's, um, to me, that's, that's a lot of what it is. Mm -hmm. Like you can't, you can't ever deviate from, from what you're doing. You can't panic. You can't get to that point where you say, uh Oh, you know, maybe we should pull back a little bit. No, once, once you're committed to this, you have to keep going. And, and there were some times where it looked like, you know, they were about to drive that car into a ditch and, <laughs> and, and you wondered, you know, whether or not they were going to be able to keep it on the road, but they didn't, they didn't hesitate. You know, they didn't, they didn't take their foot off that pedal. And, um, you know, I, I tweeted after the game too, is, you know, a lot of people put their ass on the line uh, for, for this to work. And, you know, you talk about less need, you can talk about Sean McVay going to, Stan Kroenke and saying, "Oh, by the way, uh, that 134 million you spent on Jared Goff. Um, now we want Matthew Stafford. <laughs> uh, you, you know, and, and you, talk, you know, Kevin Demoff and Tony Pastor. Some of the decisions they have to make. You know, the scouting that has to go into uh, making those mid-round picks hit, um, so that you can afford." to spend so much money on other positions. I mean, all of that, like all of that has to, to go correct. And look, it, it came together. And, you know, Jordan, I, I think there's kind of a natural pivot to um, the patience that they showed on defense this year also. Mm-hmm. Um, and, well, and they I stuck said, with it. They stuck with it. Yeah. And I said, if you want to, you know, if anybody wants the the address to the Rams uh, uh, practice or the uh, headquarters in Agura Hills, you can send those apology cards to Raheem Morris because uh, you, I think you see now once you get the full view of it, it was a journey. It was a journey that they had to go on, um, and and they got to the point where the defense, you know, the offense scored the touchdown in this game. The defense won the game. Yeah in the second half. Yes. Um, they're not going to be on the highlights other than Aaron Donald, uh, but the defense won that game, Jordan. And I really want to get your thoughts on, you know, not only how they approached uh, this game and, and the success that they had, but but even that, like I said, I, I use the word journey. You might use a different word, but but just the, the, the path that they took during the season to get to this point. Yeah, and it's, it's totally what you just said, too. You said it really well. Also, everybody, can we just take a moment? Rich said, "Rich said the word ass, and he never curses." So this means no, that I it's was on Twitter. This too, this man. means that this is a big day. This is a big this is a big win for the for the Rams, and it got yeah. Rich to say the word where I'm usually the one who uh, who messes up a, a couple of times a podcast. <laughs> it finally, although this is so fitting, this was not a mess up. This was apt, the right word to use. But I think right. like this so shows the commitment that sort of permeates through this building, it's the quarterback is literally a manifestation of their build, right? It is high risk, high ceiling reward. Um, 
sticking with this person, continuing to be aggressive in that pure and total belief that you will make something happen, that you will rise to meet the catalyst that you create. That is that is the Rams build. That is their quarterback. And that's what they've done on defense. They had a total commitment to continuation, the continuation of the defensive philosophy that was first installed in 2020 over the course of two weeks in training camp and mm-hmm. continued to evolve it and push it forward um, because they knew that it could be something special. This defense, I agree with you fully, it won the Rams the Super Bowl. It didn't uh it didn't have the game winning drive. It didn't technically, if you're looking at the the box score, it didn't technically win the game. It didn't sc- it didn't really uh do the you know takeaways. It didn't it didn't do any of that stuff, but it it asserted when it needed to. And a lot of that is First of all, it's players who were showing up when they needed to. It's a, a series of also incredibly high risks that the Rams just, you know, it's too, the Super Bowl is feeling a little too calm. Let's have Eric Weddle be our green dot player. <laughs> like, okay, yeah, why not? Yeah. And, and mm-hmm. those risks that they're taking right up to the wire and that it is people rising to create and then create a catalyst and then meet it where it's at. That is exactly the the way to describe what Aaron Donald did in that game, and it's also a way to describe what Eric Henderson and Raheem Morris uh, and, and did in terms of designing that pass rush for the second half of that game. You know, the pass yeah. rush was not popping in the first half, and what Raheem Morris and Eric Henderson did is they started loading up side to side. You could see it. They had some overloads on, on either side. And then they started scheming Aaron Donald around, and he was starting to get some matchups. You had other guys um, show up. You had uh, a lot of Ernest Jones on the field, which was the right decision. Um, you had Eric Weddle moving up and down and into the box as needed. You had Taylor Rapp was playing linebacker. I don't know if you – I it was the game was going too fast. I couldn't even tweet it. This is the right thing to do. We've been talking about this all year. You couldn't necessarily do it all at, at first because you, you're still growing and you're still learning and you're still evolving. But you could see flashes of the plan, and they rushed – they started rushing – Five, they dialed up uh, a couple of linebacker blitzes. Ernest Jones's sack came off a little, uh, a really cool little linebacker blitz that they ran uh, late in the game. Um, all of these things, picking your moments. It's like what we talk about with Matthew Stafford picking his moments for the explosive plays and Sean McVay on the other side. Literally, Raheem Morris is doing this on the other side with the calls that he's making, picking those spots, picking those moments. And these guys are stepping up. Darius Williams, we were talking about unsung heroes. Darius Williams, who has been picked on as a in-space tackler by multiple teams this year who try to bounce backs or catch and run players into the flat, he makes a tackle that potentially changes the, the outcome of one of those drives with Joe Mixon running in space. So hard to bring that guy down in space. Darius Williams knew it was coming. He talked to me about it at the podium. Nobody was at his media podium. Um, undrafted free agent. Um, who is playing on uh, on a tender deal and nobody's at his media podium on media day and he just starts talking to me about how they're going to make him tackle in space and he knows it. And lo and behold, they make him t- try to tackle in space. Joe Mixon, they bounce him outside. That could be, if it, you know, in, year, in weeks past, you've seen that be a huge gain 
by Debo Samuel, by, you know, any number of players that against David Long, against Darius Williams, against Troy Reader, like those, that, those are the players that's, they, he would, he knew he would be targeted and he sells out. It wasn't a pretty tackle at all, but he sells into his entire body out to make this tackle and to make this stop and to affect this player. Um, and, and, and it, it changed, it changes the outcome of one of those drives. Other guys, Ashawn Robinson, you mentioned just a monster postseason, something like what, tw- 22 postseason tackles. Um, just, just a monster of a postseason. This is a player they knew he could become, but they stuck with him because they knew he needed more time. He missed half of a full season dealing with a really scary, um, medical issue that sidelined him for six months of the regular season. So they restructured his contract. He's actually playing technically on the first year, uh, first year and a half of his deal right now. And he, made a difference when he needed to in this postseason. He became the player that they that they brought in, the player that they wanted in their building, who they knew he could be. They stuck with him. Greg Gaines, they developed him. They stuck with him. You know, this isn't a this was never I, I I've been hating some of the sort of national commentary on this because you hear the phrase like stars and scrubs a lot. These are not scrubs. These are players no. who have busted their asses to make right. these plays happen in, when the moment arrives. And they play together so cohesively. And a lot of that is reflective of Raheem Morris and what he can do as a leader and as a communicator. They play so cohesively to rise, to meet the moments that those big name players create and to not... not uh not take scraps, but make big moments themselves. And they rise to that cohesively as one group because they stuck together. They stayed together this entire year. And it's, it's just, you know, this is a defense that when, when Jalen Ramsey gets beat on the 75 yard touchdown to open the third quarter and a blatant face mask is missed along the way, his entire head twists around and just completely blatant missed call we I'm not even going to get into the the there's a lot I know I see a lot of arguments going on about some of the the calls and all of that I'm not going to get into it this particular one was I think we can all agree (laughs) a face mask and it was missed and you know but aside from that you know the the Rams recover from that their defense recovers from allowing that explosive that explosive play in ways maybe it didn't earlier in the season as everyone's mm. starting to relearn how to play together and and figure out what and Raheem's figuring out what he wants to do and what he needs to do and learning this new system while also trying to teach it this group sort of rallied around themselves and stayed together and stayed connected and they go on to have just a monster monster uh third and fourth quarter after that play and they hold to the field goal that became so crucial in that scenario, so crucial in that scenario. And then yeah. and then they also hold at the end of the game, they keep them well behind midfield because they know that on the other side, the Bengals have a kicker who basically has no range. Like he can right, make any right. kick. So right. they hold to that very small, you know, sub 40 yards portion of the field because they know that they cannot allow them past that space. That is so hard to do. It is so underrated, I think, that they were able to do that with that kicker on the other side because that is one that is you're not playing with the back of the end zone behind you. You're playing with open field behind you and three of the best, you know, one of the best trios of receivers through and through um, in, in the league and they're in the Super Bowl. And and Jamar Chase, who's an outstanding player and, and definitely could take the top off. Like, but you're playing with that entire, but you're still asserting and you're coming down hard. And that was so important what they did. They did that 
because they stuck together through all of this and they know how to play together. And you cannot, the, the players, of course, deserve so much credit, credit, but you cannot undersell the job that Raheem Morris and all of those defensive assistant coaches did throughout the entire course of this game through the second half of this season and through the postseason, they started. It's it's like Sean trusting Matthew Stafford at the end of the game. Right. They basically they're like, we're going to put these these games into the hands of our best players, and we know that they, the moment will be met by the others around them. I should probably clarify. You know, when I joke about you know apologies and such, that that does not mean that it was perfect. That does not mean, and and we've talked about it on the on the podcast. I mean, even rec- as recently as week 18, when we talked about, you know, not being able to adjust back to, to some of the things that the, the 49ers did. That's true. And so that doesn't mean that there was perfection or that there's nothing that the Rams can improve on. Um, but I think you, you had to understand from the beginning that this was, again, I will use the word journey. It wasn't, they weren't going to come in week one and just have it be picked up, even down to personnel that that changed. You know, losing John Johnson, losing Michael Brockers, uh, losing Troy Hill. I mean, there, there was going to be some adjustments there that, that needed to be dealt with uh, early in the season during the course of a season. You're asking Raheem Morris to come in and run a defense that's different in in a lot of ways than what he's ever run before. Uh, it, it's all of these things. It's it's playing, you know, knowing that that you're asking different things from your defense than you were a year ago because your offense is is different. I will be fascinated. We have, we have a whole off season to talk about this, Jordan. But uh, I will be I will be fascinated to see what year two looks like of a Raheem Morris defense here, because uh, you know the, the the NFL jobs are now settled. You know he's not. It doesn't look like he's going to get a head coaching job. I have to think that means he'll be back. I think it looked a lot different in the early. I, I don't think we let me put it this way. I don't think we have the same conversations a year from now about this defense and its evolution. I think they've now set the base down. I don't know what's going to happen with certain personnel issues, one of which a big one I know we're going to talk about in a couple minutes here. So, you know, a lot can can change there. But but I think uh, just in terms of, of overall uh, comfort and, and uh, you know, getting to where you want to be, I don't think we saw it until late in the season. Mm-hmm. And when we did, it, it was very, very impressive. So um, kudos to all those guys. Jordan, you mentioned that drive. Again, everybody's going to look at the end of the game. I understand it. But when the wheels were falling off, 75-yard touchdown, and then they come back, the very next play is an interception. Cincinnati gets the ball on the 31-yard line. Look, not to sound, you know, put too much hyperbole out there. I think if the Bengals score a touchdown there, the game is over uh, because that makes it 24-13. to And we, we know how the Rams ended up not being able to move the ball. What did you see there? They got all the way down to the 11, third and three. Aaron Donald makes a sack to, to, to force the field goal. That, that, to me, you could feel it. I mean, you, you could feel it just watching it like, whew, boy, it's only a seven-point game now. Suddenly, that feels a lot different than, than 11 points and the wheels are coming off. And then they, they just maintained it through the entire rest of the, of the game, uh, which I didn't think they were going to be able to do. The pass rush, as you said, Jordan, markedly different in the second half. I actually thought in the first half, Joe Burrow looked like it looked like he he was expecting 
that. And, and some of the throws that he made and some of his body language, I watched him early in the game and I thought, this guy has more time than he thinks he does. And I think he settled down into that in the second quarter and started. But then in the second half, he did not. He, he was right. He was ultimately proven correct. He did not have the time. Um, and, and they were able to get to him and, and force those plays. Uh, Darius Williams, like you said, amazing. I didn't think Jalen Ramsey had a great game. There were some plays there that uh, you know you you don't expect, but they were still able to to do a good job because. And it, David Long made a play in there too. I mean, these these guys who you uh, kind of think about like they they might be the you know the weak links or the or the Robins as as Les Snead would call them. Uh, they they ended up being the the pivotal some of the pivotal characters uh, in this game. So. Yeah, Jordan, it's, um, gosh, I mean, what a journey. And now, you know, first of all, I don't want to, if you have anything else to say about the defense, but um, yeah, I mean, what, you know, what else can we say there? Yeah, I will say, I mentioned uh, Steven Ruiz was putting out some really good all 22 clips, which was the only, Uh essentially the only way I could digest this game in terms of how crazy the last couple of days have been. And so I've appreciated his comments on that because he does a a great job. And, And he mentioned something interesting about, uh, you kind of saw it, you you definitely saw it in real time, but you certainly didn't see it on the broadcast copy because the broadcast copy cuts off the entire back half of the defense essentially. Yes, and and so Jalen, instead of playing the star, quote unquote, that he's done a lot of this season, they almost played a version of that where he was he had two assignments, he had two sort of lockdown quote unquote assignments, T Higgins and Jamar Chase, and right. so they were asking him essentially to be the the matchup depending on which spots they felt would be picked for targets, they were asking him to be the matchup for those guys in terms of where they needed to blanket certain options and opportunities. And I do encourage you guys to go, because again, if you're, if you remove that 75 yard touchdown, and then there was one play where he tripped, I think on the last, but Joe Burrow didn't target Jamar on that play, but he did, Mm -hmm. he tripped, but uh, Burrow didn't have, obviously didn't have time to get to, to get to right. chase. But if you take away that 75 yard touchdown catch, um, he actually had a pretty good game. And, okay. and, and it was, yeah. but it's only when you look at it through that lens. Uh, so I appreciated this because I, and, and you hear, uh, I've heard a lot of people today saying, yeah, I said he didn't have a bad game. And now I'm kind of walking it back after they looked at this, looked through this thread because it did it, <laughs> on first glance, it looked like it looked right. like you were like, oh, my God, is he OK? Like, what's going on? But then you go back and you look at some of these breakdowns of what he's specifically being asked to do within the mm-hmm. concept of their defense. And he's literally in charge of blanketing two guys instead of, you know, the one that the the ISO corner would usually get in the traveling matchup or the in inside the box middle, you know, a lot of the star stuff that he's been able to do. He's had, he's got two ISO matchups essentially in this game. Um, And that's the simplest way I can explain it. Steven will do a lot better job of explaining it, but um, that's the best way that I can communicate it. But it, it was, it was really interesting to look at that. So I do encourage people to go look at that. He probably would want, you know, one or two of those back obviously, but um, really, really interesting playing corner must suck. I think about this for uh. e- Eli Apple too, because Eli Apple had a, a reasonable, pretty solid game up until that last drive, and and then he just got picked apart. And yeah. um, and then Robert Woods said the thing. I didn't even know what I didn't know what that meant when he. I had no idea. I did not know the context of of 
players, I saw the Chiefs players tweeting and the Saints players yeah. tweeting. I didn't yeah. know the context of the Eli Apple comment because Robert Woods told me that he came over, Cooper Cup came over after that last touchdown against Eli Apple. He Cooper came over to the sideline to celebrate with Robert and everyone was celebrating around them. And Cooper and Robert pulls Cooper in and he just says one word. He says applesauce. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that does he mean like uh, smooth as applesauce? Like I had no idea. Or I thought of right, that scene right, from right. Ted Lasso when he throws the dart and he says barbecue sauce. I was like, right. oh, that's what, that must be something that – and then it wasn't until later <laughs> – I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> like, yeah. that was ruthless. <laughs> Apple sauce. Robert Woods yeah. was with a ruthless comment. Oh, my God. Right, Just right, brutal. Right, yeah. Right. But, but yeah. But, it, but, but that, was, that was kind of my final comment there on, on the defense. And I just, I mean, really impressed with how this group came along and how they sort of continued to stay together and, and, and find themselves more and more along the way. I just, uh, I was really, really impressed with that. And I think a lot of guys in this group have a really bright future with this team. Ernest Jones, um, you know, he had to leave the game on that last drive because he suffered some sort of injury. I think he's okay, but um, mm. he's coming back from that ankle injury. Eric Weddle, I mean, what more can you say? It's just insane, man. He played the game with a torn pectoral. Like, yeah. and then he sold out for a tackle in the box on a short yardage. Like, I mean, yeah. I don't even know what to say at this point, to be honest with you. Yeah. 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 Well, a good context there on Jalen Ramsey too. And also it goes to show that we don't always know like a, a lot of yeah, this. Is, I don't, I didn't either. I was like, yeah, yeah. You, you don't always know what they're being asked to do. You can, you can see guys in certain situations, especially when you're talking about cornerbacks and coverage and things like that. Like you, you see something happen on the field and you go, Oh, well that that's clearly, you know, that guy got beat or that guy wasn't where he was supposed to be, but you don't know, you don't know what the assignment was supposed to be. You don't know. Uh, so there's a lot of things that w- without the proper context, or are hard to, to understand, but uh, but yeah, Jordan, uh, we you talked about guys having bright futures, and uh, I, I guess it's maybe a natural <laughs> time to to pivot into a couple of these things because just just to set the table, it came out the the, the McVeigh stuff was was kind of weird like it it kind of trickled out during the week like oh this this might be his last game but nobody ever really said that it was like it was like a game of telephone or something where it was like you know one thing turns into something else and turns into something else and then by the time we got to Sunday it was like this could be Sean McVay's last game and it's like wait a minute like that, that that's not really where we started here um, but but then we it came out um First of all, in a, in a kind of really weird offhanded comment by Rodney Harrison uh, in the pregame show that Aaron Donald uh, was uh, pondering retirement. And then I, I think NBC might have picked up on the fact that they kind of presented it in an offhanded way and then made it a little more direct uh, during the game with Michelle Tafoya kind of saying like, oh yeah, Aaron Donald told me that he could be retiring. Mm -hmm. It's like, you guys had like 12 hours of (laughs) pregame coverage and like you, you just decided like that. Yeah. That never like that. It never kind of came up until anyway, point being Jordan, let, let, let's talk about what, what we know here. Um, uh, well, I'll just ask you directly. What what do we know in yeah. terms of of Sean McVay, Aaron Donald next season, the season after that, the season after that? I mean, what 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 are you hearing about this, and and what should fans really be uh, concerned about here? Do you want the good news first or the bad news? Uh, the good news. Okay, so yeah. I I I will say this, and I'm speaking. I think I like to think from a pretty uh, educated place on this. Um, yeah. You know how we like to sprinkle that in sometimes. 
I would be I would be probably just extraordinarily shocked if Sean McVay decides to take a break right now. Like if he decides to take a break heading into 2022, 2020 or 2022 season 2023, I would be I would be shocked. The context that seems to be missing from all of these aggregations and like quick hit pieces that are coming out on this stuff is that he when he was first asked about this, um he was asked about coaching in his 60s. Nobody on the planet thinks that Sean McVay will be coaching in his 60s. Nobody in the building thinks that Sean McVay will be coaching in his 60s. The guy burns the candle at both ends. Like, it's concerning. It's unhealthy the way that he works. And they've even had, like, Reggie Scott has built in, like, rest periods for him because he he doesn't, the way that he works is not sustainable. But at the same time, like, this is also a guy who, he went out and got this quarterback who he'd like to be attached to for the next couple of years. They'd like to give Matthew an extension. I know that for a fact that discussions will open, you know, as soon as they get the parade <laughs> taken care of and all of right. the coaching staff stuff settled. They'd like to explore the extension that we always knew they'd want to explore with Matthew. It also gives them a ton of cap relief next year if they extend him. And I, I would be shocked if if Sean McVay retires at any point while Matthew Stafford is still playing football. I don't think enough has been made or said about the friendship and bond and collaboration that these two have built together over the course of this year. It's everything that Sean could have ever wanted in his career with a quarterback. And it's something that really matters. The other thing is he was talking about wanting to be a a dad, which is admirable, wanting to be a good father to his kids when he has them. That hasn't happened yet. (laughs) Like this – do we forget, you know, what the, what a, ter- what, how long a pregnancy term is? Like, do we, you know, like, it's, it, right. I'm, right. I'm sorry. I don't mean to sound like callous. And I certainly am not going to get into people's personal lives. However, they want to express right. their partnership is, is up to them. That is, that's great. Whatever works. Right. But like, this is a, this is something where I don't think we're talking about this year with Sean McVay. Right. On the other, you know, Ian Rappaport said even directly, I mean, he has his phone pulled up with Sean's text on the screen that says, no, he wants to be a part of this group in 2022. And and he's not, you know, he's not thinking about retiring or anything like that. And I, and I honestly, I know that a lot of times these things, the national reporters or whatever are are repackaged and re-released right before big games, just to like seem like news. But this was new. This was not that. This was actually something that he found out and shared like this is not that right. and and uh, and I gotta say like I've I've heard similarly like this is not to me I would be shocked if this happened if I'm wrong mm-hmm. fine because that mm-hmm. that's you know sometimes we just are but I would be mm-hmm. stunned if he if this actually happened I would expect him to take a break a long break in terms of this offseason to to basically disappear and recollect right. himself it is so hard to even get here let alone win the damn thing and right. to do it in the way that they did it I mean hell I'm only a writer I don't even have to be there around the clock I'm only a writer and I'm tired I, I can't even believe the years this year has probably taken off my life <laughs> like yes. I'm exhausted and I can't even imagine what it would feel like to be the guy who's living in that high wire ecosystem, right? And so I think that that's that's a part of it, that it wouldn't surprise me if at some point he did take a break. It would not surprise Mm -hmm. me at all if he took a break 
a break specifically, not necessarily yeah, a not retirement, retirement, a break. But I don't, I, I genuinely, and again, if I'm wrong, ultimately, I'm sorry about that, guys, but I genuinely do not think that this is imminent for Sean McVay. I think that the coy sort of out of context answers that he's been provided in really odd questioning situations where you don't, you can't really win whatever you say. I think part of that is it's reiterating the the clarity and sort of the power of the contract that is coming up. You know, I heard early, earlier in the year uh, that he would like to be the highest paid coach in the NFL. I don't think that's out of the question to to assume that that is something that the Rams would probably be looking into after he goes to the Super Bowl twice in four years and then wins it the second time. And and the way that he brings in coaches and the way that he um, influences the draft and all of those types of things, like I think that that's probably something that is certainly in, would be in consideration, particularly depending mm-hmm. on how, how long he sees this window before he does take a break um, right. happening. But yeah, it's, it's, it's been really interesting, Rich. I'll, I'll say that. The other thing, though, that is, I think, maybe bears more monitoring was what seemed like a surprise to most with the Aaron Donald news, but I don't actually think it's out of the question. Um, And again, another educated guess. We don't really know. Emotions are so high right now. We don't really know what will happen. But I will say that over the last couple of weeks, with players talking about Aaron Donald sharing some things with them and talking to them about what this would mean to him to win a Super Bowl. And everybody was already aware of Aaron Donald needing only needing a ring. Sean McVay said it to me on the open of training camp. He said, if I don't win this guy a Super Bowl, then shame on me. And everybody was already aware of that. So what was it that heightened the urgency to me over the last two weeks to have these guys publicly now talking about wanting to win for Aaron Donald. And and it was before he had the galvanizing speech on the sideline. That's only what we saw. Remember, a whole week of planning goes into that galvanizing speech on the sideline. Right. So to me, when you're looking at some of these comments and in hindsight, you're like, hmm, has something been discussed? Has there been conversations that have been having about, I'm not saying yes or no, the right. consideration of what it might what it might be like. And I think too, you you weigh in what what most people don't know about Aaron, because he keeps his life so private and because he carries himself so admirably in the community mm-hmm. and in the locker room, and he is quiet. What most mm-hmm. people don't know is how just achingly he wants to be sure that he is there for his children when they are young mm-hmm. and that he is healthy enough to be there for them when they are old. And I think that that is something that is a huge part of this conversation when we think about his oldest kids. He wasn't necessarily able to invest in that way. I mean, I'm he he certainly invested. Like, I'm not saying that he was away or whatever. Like, he he this man has done everything he could for his for their entire lives to be the best dad he could be. But you're also balancing football in that regard. And Sean McVay made a very subtle mention of that at his press conference that everybody missed because people were too busy freaking out over the fact that, you know, all of a sudden now all these tweets are out there, you know, like too busy. But, but what Sean really, there was some context that he said about talking to certain players about balancing fatherhood with football. And to me, that's, that's who he meant. He's talked with Aaron about those kinds of things and how hard that is. And 
you know, there's distance involved. And Aaron just had, and Aaron and his wife, Erica, just had their first child together. And right. understanding what it was the first time and wanting so badly to be there for every single thing and to invest so fully, but also knowing that you have to put everything else that you have into trying to win a Super Bowl, into being a football player, um, and how much that balance can just weigh on people or that imbalance yeah. can weigh on people. And I think that's a really, really underrated part of the equation right now. Um, mm-hmm. And I think, I think you know, he's 30 years old. He's not showing any signs of decline. But what would it be to maybe walk away or even take a break? Just, you know, what would it be to walk away and to change in that regard after 20 years of this being the one thing that you focus on change and 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 then you you are you are walking away at the peak at the at your apex essentially i think that this is a a very real conversation and i i know that that's scary for people to hear um it's scary for people to think about andrew whitworth retiring um you know johnny hecker i think we we need to include in that conversation um, about possibly retiring as well. It's scary. It's scary for people to hear that, and right. and understandably so. It would completely change the way that the Rams team build works. It would completely um, change the way that they would need to sort of recalibrate in that regard. But at the same time, as a human being, you you put yourself in someone's shoes, and he brings his whole right. family up with him at the podium, and and you see it right there. You see the care and the love, and mm-hmm. you see the. Um, you heard it in his voice. You hear the strain and the ache of what that was. We played the clip at the very beginning of this podcast. Go back and listen to it again, you guys, if you're listening to this right now. And and within this context, like you hear the strain in his voice of what this has meant and what what this really has required of him oh, over the last yeah. few, several, several years. Yeah, I, Jordan, I mean, we all, there, there isn't anybody who hasn't made a joke about Aaron Donald's Instagram and his, his shirtless photos and his working out, but like, that's who he is. I mean, this is not just a, a, a job that he does from, you know, late July until whenever the season ends. I mean, this guy is, has been solely fixated on this for, like you said, I don't know, 20 years, however, when he started uh, you know, playing football seriously. Um, and, and it's extraordinary. And, and I applaud him and I would applaud anybody in this situation who takes an honest look at their life and says, what do I want out of the rest of my life? Um, I'm a football player. That's what I do for a living. It's a big part of my job, but it doesn't define who I am. And it, it doesn't, it's not going to define the rest of my life. And honestly, if I were the Rams or I was, you know, Les Need or, or Sean McVay, I think I would want all of my players to honestly look at themselves that way. Um, because you don't want a player coming in there who's half committed or whose brain is half checked out or is thinking about retirement. Look, if, if you're thinking about it, then yeah, take your time and do that honest assessment with yourself and say, do I really want to keep going? And and by the way, I think I think this is something Andrew Whitworth has done kind of on an annual basis <laughs> for the yeah. last three or four years or whatever to, to take that step back and and be honest with yourself and say, you know what, if I'm going to do this, if I'm going to come back next year, this is what it's going to require. It's going to require a lot of commitment. It's going to require a lot of time. It's going to require me to put my family on the back burner at some times. Is that what I want? Am I ready to do that? Am I committed to doing that? And if you can answer that question, yes, then by all means, mm-hmm. uh, keep doing it. 
But if you can't, if those if those doubts or those questions start to come in, I would applaud anybody who who does that. You might say it's crazy for him to to walk away at thirty years old. Why? Why? Why is it crazy? Uh, you know, he's he's achieved everything that that you can achieve. I mean, you know, Barry Sanders walked away, never came back. I don't I don't remember how old Barry Sanders was. He, he wasn't he wasn't that old. Uh, you you just have to be honest with yourself. You know, look at what you wanted to achieve in your career. Look at what you want to achieve in your life, and. You know, like you said, Jordan, it's not we're we're not this is not we're we're not saying goodbye to Aaron Donald. I, no, you, we still n- don't neither know. Neither one of us know. Yeah, yeah we, we don't, don't know, know what's, what's going to happen. happen here. Yeah, but but clearly, it I think it's it's fair to say he's clearly thinking about this yeah. and he's clearly looking at it. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I I would applaud him for that. Um, Sean McVay. I mean, I I I think I have a little more context on that. And like you know, I I, I tweeted about it too. I I've long felt that it's a possibility mm-hmm. and and it's exactly what you said jordan in terms of burning the candle at both ends he does not approach his job like a normal human being <laughs> and i and i say this with admiration and affection but he doesn't approach it like a particularly healthy human being either right. um and 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 that's hard to keep doing for for a long uh period of time and you know i'm, I'm not making any i i know john gruden became a, a problematic figure um but you you look at what john gruden did and and the way that he approached his job early in his career and this was sean mcveigh's mentor in a lot of ways and he did that he stepped away and and for probably longer than people expected i mean even going back rams fans know you know dick vermeil Dick Vermeil had had success early in his career. I think he stepped away when he was around forty, maybe in his his early forties. He was gone for uh, I think like fifteen years or, or something like that. But before he came back, um, it's not unusual. I mean, you, you don't see it happen a lot, but I, I think when you do, you can see that type of coach. You know, do, you, you can just the intensity. Um, that that has to be maintained year over year over year. It's really hard to do, uh, and especially when you've had the success that the that the Rams have had. I mean, there's there's no time. I mean, you, Jordan, you, you know, you and I joked before the podcast started here. The combine is in like it, it, there's just there's no end to this. You go straight from the Super Bowl in like into player days. evaluation. Yeah, yeah and, and it, there's just there's no there's never an off ramp. Uh, for for these guys, and when you're a guy like Sean McVay, who, like you said, has to be pulled into rest by Reggie Scott, um, that's that's tough. So w- when I say you know that that it wouldn't surprise me, I don't mean this year, and mm-hmm. I don't mean next year or whatever. Um, yeah, it it wouldn't surprise me, but yeah, the whole thing just kind of like took a weird like road to where it suddenly became like this could be Sean McVay's first game. I don't think that's what anybody w- last game, sorry. I don't think that's what anybody was saying. Um I I think people who are a little informed about this would say, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if it happened at some point. But yeah, Jordan, I I don't think this is the time. Yeah, and and if I could, one I wanted to put yeah. point out one more thing about the Aaron Donald situation, something that I had a little bit ex- of experience with in Carolina was Luke Keekley. Um oh, and yeah. so Luke Keekley, one of the greatest inside linebackers, uh, I think, in NFL history, certainly in the top ten conversation, I think, um, as well. Never won a championship, so we're not gonna sit there and go ahead and debate the doing all the the, the crap that's coming out over these 
couple days where people just debate things that don't matter at this moment. Um, right. so we're just not going to do that. But, but the, um, one of the most, uh, very, very much, very like Aaron Donald in the way that he was obs- obsessive and internally wholly consumed with this, um, put off a family, um, you know, yeah. high school sweethearts. They, they agreed to put off the family. They agreed to, you know, do, and, and because this was, this is the, the thing that he wanted to do was, was be wholly consumed by football. And he was, the problem yeah. was, was he waited he he went through a lot it's a different scenario also because he had some really bad concussions um and so that changes the equation again but in terms of a a great historically great player deciding to who couldn't leave because he just couldn't bring himself to leave and then the year that he stayed too long um mm. will always represent a different kind of pain and a different kind of ache knowing that that is the last impression people had of you um mm. which you he couldn't have predicted coming into the season a lot of went a lot went into that too the the panthers um were sort of forced to switch their defense from a 4-3 to a 3-4 um the team was dealing with a lot of injury situations and they they sort of imploded midway through the year um but but you know Luke Keekley's a very much a 4-3 guy um was out of position basically in the other in the change and it just was discombobulated all the way through and so obviously the context here the details here are, are very different but the thing that remains the same is players know and they see it and they hear it they talk about it the specific and unique lifelong ache mm. of knowing that you didn't finish on your own terms mm. And you see, you saw it also with Greg Olson, who had to retire after a second foot injury, even though he wanted to keep playing. Um, you see it all the time with players who get hurt and have to stop, or uh, situationally they have to stop, or maybe they just their body just quits on them and they have to stop. Hmm. Um, I'm not implying that that would happen to Aaron Donald, but there is a conversation to be had about finishing. The only it is. Half a percent of players get to finish on fully their own terms. Yeah. Half a percent of players in this league, Greg Olson and I talked about this at length once, it is so rare to be able to say, I did, I accomplished everything I needed to do and I was able to walk away on my terms. You don't, you do not get that. The league is so cruel and it can rob mm. you of that in a second mm. and you don't know. And it is a unique type of pain living with that for the rest of your life. And Greg Olson has talked about this. And, and it is, uh, it's certainly, I saw it firsthand. And I, that's part of the context that I bring to the situation of, you know what it looks like when it, when it doesn't happen and what that pain is. And so I can understand Aaron, I think, and empathize with him in this, in this moment, if, you know, as he clearly is considering this and having this this internal dialogue and probably dialogue with a lot of family right now um, a, about this and what it would mean to do it, but also what it might mean to not do it. Right. Yep. Yeah. Um, I guess the only thing I would say is, uh, Aaron, if you're listening, give Jordan a little break. Give, give her a little time before you uh, <laughs> before you do anything definitive. Give her a little time to rest, please. Uh, <laughs> we can we can make this announcement sometime in March. Either way, that'd be fine. 
Jordan need no needs a little rest. Um, Jordan, congratulations. Um, Rich, congratulations on, on a great season to you. Yeah, I didn't do anything. I was just here talking into a microphone. It was pretty easy and tweeting about uniforms. I done. Crucial, That's crucial my- analysis through the entire season. And I believe, I yeah. personally believe your analytics on that situation. We joke about it every uh-huh. week, but uh-huh. I do believe that they had an, like the the collection and, and tracking of those numbers. I believe that yeah. had an influence on the uniforms the Rams did decide. <laughs> I truly believe that. Once again, scary another thing. educated guess on my end. The scary thing, Jordan, is I think you're right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I am not kidding. Another yeah. educated guess on my end. Like, I am not kidding. Yeah. Your yeah. your uh, tracking of that was not something people in the building were doing. They didn't have that information, like, on yes. hand. Rich yes. tracking of that, I believe, you know, the Rams, obviously yeah. they wore their throwbacks, which not doesn't has never really happened in a, in a game before because it wasn't really allowed by the league and right. so but they opted away from a certain color combo that they would have had to wear and into this throwback jersey and yes. and I do believe that the the collection of records that have been put out there into the universe by Rich Hammond uh, <laughs> directly influenced that so salute yeah. salute to you Rich salute well, thank to you. you thank you very much yeah and um, look um you know, Rams fans, congratulations. Like really it's, it's a lot of, um, it's been a lot of fun. So many of you not only support this podcast, we've seen the numbers grow, um, all season, but you know, the support that, that you give to our work at the athletic and to Jordan in particular, um, really does mean a lot to us. And, uh, we, we don't have the ability to do these jobs if we don't have your support. So, um, thank you, and uh, a, a true congratulations. It's not uh, Jordan and I don't celebrate the team's victories, but you know I've I've been fortunate to cover teams that have won championships in the past, and uh, always happy for the fans because you know we've been we're fans too, not necessarily of this team, but we understand what it's like to be a fan and invest so much of your time and money and everything else and uh, know what that means to so many of you who followed the Rams, you know, going back to the 60s or however, you know, have been waiting a long time uh, to see this. So uh, congratulations uh, to you and hope you enjoy it. The parade is tomorrow. Uh, It's going to be all of like a quarter mile, I think, down Figueroa, but that's okay. That'll be fun. Um, And uh, end up at the at the Coliseum, which is very cool, by the way, if we could if we could end on this note, I was I was uh, messaging a little bit with um, uh, Tom Bateman, who who is a big part of the the Bring Back the Rams uh, campaign. Um, and I was sharing with him how I, I think it was the first time I ever met him was, uh, it must've been late 2015 then, or sometime in the fall of 2015, when they had a big rally outside the Coliseum in that very spot where, where they will be having the, the parade, uh, celebration or the, the rally on uh, Wednesday. So I thought that was a really cool, uh, full circle moment for, for a lot of the people who were there that day. And uh, now we'll get to celebrate on that very spot uh, uh, just over five years uh, later, six years later, um, a championship. So um, congrats to them, Jordan. I hope you get a little rest. We're, we're going to take a week off 
uh, from the from the podcast. So we'll we'll be back with everybody in uh, in two weeks. But uh, sincerely mean it, Jordan. I mean you and you you know how much you mean to our readers. Um, I have learned so much from you uh, during this season from from reading your stories and uh, from from talking to you on here. So so congratulations on uh, on seeing through a, a fantastic uh, season and telling the stories better than than anybody else really. Well, it's been an incredible 13 months. Really, I mean, it's been an incredible two years since I got here and, and sort of jumped headfirst into this beat and the fan base and, and sort of the culture around the team. And just can't thank you guys enough. I mean, it's the subscribers and the, the Twitter followers, the podcast listeners. I met a podcast listener uh, during the post game at the stadium. Uh, very nice young man who was, I think, running either PR or security. I wasn't sure because we were moving so fast, but he's very, very nice <laughs> and helped me find where I needed to go. So thank you very much for doing that. Um, and it just was, it's it's been, that's my, this whole year has been moments like that, running into people yeah. who have something either kind to say or a, a funny inside joke of ours to to bring up. Um, <laughs> gosh, we have such a long list of them at, at this time. <laughs> and uh, running into um, people who subscribe and people who um, really appreciate some of the work that we try to put in because we love to do it. It's just, this is why, you know, this is why I, kind of feel like I'm on the planet and I know that sounds corny and um, I, I think I'm allowed to be corny on uh, 17 hours of sleep through the entire last <laughs> eight days. Um, but I think, you know, it, and also the people that you get to meet and the people you get to work with and, and Rich could not have done any uh, of this work without the wealth of background and knowledge that Rich provided. The second I took this job um, has been there every step of the way, even as we move to different verticals, like Every single day we're talking about something and um, love doing this podcast, love, love, love what this has brought um, into our lives. And we hope it's brought something good into your lives as well. Um, be sure to catch up on all of the content that you missed um, over at theathletic.com. And, and I think Rich has a, a one more time for the 2021 NFL season has a has a directive for you to follow. I was just going to say that, yeah, that, but yeah, yeah, and it, it's not going to end. Of of course, we, you know, we talk about Jordan having some time off, but you know, it, it is going to be an amazing off season, and and part of this journey is it, you know trying to get back to the top of the mountain. So uh, Jordan and and all of our our great staff at, at the Athletic will be covering that. So thank you again to everybody who uh, has subscribed subscribed and and follows along with us. And if you haven't, if you're just one of those people who's like, you know what? The Rams won the Super Bowl. I think now, I think now is the time. Then, boy, do we have something great for you. Because all you have to do is go to theathletic.com slash 11 personnel. You can join us right now. And you can also make bleary-eyed, sleepy Jordan very happy <laughs> by getting your her favorite thing in the entire world, which is what? A great discount, you guys. Anytime you subscribe to The Athletic through the 11 Personnel Podcast, you get my favorite thing in the world, which is a great discount. We so appreciate everything you've done for us as a community for the last two years now, but especially over the last 13 chaotic, crazy months that have been uh, just a joy and a privilege to be there. Um, like what Andrew Whitworth said, uh, it's a get to, not a have to. Um, and just, you guys are just so appreciated. We'll see you in two weeks and, uh, we will be ready to kick off, uh, a lot of questions facing the Rams in the off season. 
we'll get into some draft stuff, some free agency stuff. But in the meantime, there is everything to feel and nothing to do. So I hope you guys enjoy it.